welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Okay, yeah, good morning. Thank you um, for joining us. We've been working through a series um, called Empowered, which we've been talking really about doing some of the stuff Jesus did because it's what he asked us to do. Oh, Sue, thank you. Look at that team. Wonderful. Okay, because it's what he asked us to do and to kind of continue his work and to help um, other people come to know him like we have. And so today we're going to expand on that theme um, and we're going to look at a passage in John 14 that's got a couple of slightly contentious phrases in it, or at least phrases that if you're like, if, well, when I read my Bible, they make me uncomfortable um, and make me feel like I need to reassess my life, which might be why the Bible is there, I guess. Um, but uh, anyway, let's read the passage together. I'll pray and then we'll, <laughs> we'll chat a bit about that. Um, can I have the passage? Thank you so much. Sorry if that's a little bit small. It's John 14 if you want to follow along in your own Bible or on your phone. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they'll do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Father God, we thank you that we come to your Bible and we come to your presence. Um, Would you help us to do that really open-handedly today? Would you help us to come really honestly? Would you help us to come ready to be changed and challenged by you? but also ready to be comforted and looked after because that's what you love to do as well. And so I pray this would be a space where we can learn, where we can seek you, where we can be honest with each other and with you. And Lord God, where we can experience some of your kingdom so that we can go and give that away to the people that we meet, just like Gavin was talking about. Amen. Okay, so did you spot the two, the two things I wrestle with in this passage, okay? Um, verse 12 Um, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they'll do even greater things than these. Verse 14, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I think those are probably two of the the more challenging sentences in the New Testament, aren't they? Um, Okay, so just so we we have a bit of a ground sort of base, what, what are we talking about? What did Jesus do? Shout out some things at me. What did, what, when Jesus says, you'll do what I do, what did he do? Raise the, that's your first one. Two people that raise the dead. I'm going home. That bar is very high. No. Yeah, absolutely, he did. Three people. Anyone else? Walked on water. Yeah. Oh, we've got some odd synchronization going on. Walking on water. Yeah. Anyone else? Healed the sick. Yeah. Multiplied food. Yeah. I like that one. What was that? I, sorry, I can't hear you. Demons. Okay, cast them out. Yes, yeah, not brought them in. Cool. Yeah, lots of things. Okay, so these these don't sound like things I do every day, I have to say. They don't. They just don't, do they? And so there's this disconnect when we read the Bible and we read Jesus saying, you can do what I did. And we're like, but actually what I do is I go to the grocery store and I go to work and I sit on the bus and I just live normally. um, And I I don't necessarily see that happen. Now, 
John's gospel all the way through talks about these things that Jesus did as signs and wonders and pointings to who Jesus is and what he did. And that's sort of what we're going to be talking about for the remainder of this, because I think in our passage, probably it starts with the, the why, maybe with the why is helpful. Why does Jesus do these things specifically? Our verse says, believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Okay, so that's the, the sense of why. What Jesus wants to do is to demonstrate that God exists, his character and the nature of his coming kingdom. The reason that Jesus does all these amazing works is to show that, yeah, that God exists, that what he's like and what his kingdom will be like. And, um, sorry, I'm a bit lost. There's something about saying to somebody, I believe in God, that's a little bit different to showing them that there is a God, isn't there? And there's a difference between telling them there's a God and showing them who that God is. If that God is someone who wants to set them free or heal them or care for them, if we can tell them that and then we can show them that, maybe just by being kind, but maybe also by something else happening to them that shows them that God is real, then that's a pretty incredible moment for them, isn't it? To get something of what it is that we sing about and we pray about and we live for. Um, so I'm, I'm 38, for those of you who were, I don't know if anyone was wondering that. Um, so I've been looking up blenders this week. That's how exciting my life has got. I've been looking up different types of blender and which blender I could buy that would be the most value for my money. And actually, if you want to, what I've realised, if you want to sell me a blender, make a video and put it on YouTube. Demonstrate to me how the blender works. What can it do? What is this like? How is it going to affect my life? How is it going to change my health for the better? That's what all these things are about. Okay. It's exactly the same with the kingdom of God. It's the same with when my friends ask me, does God exist? Like, why do you do this weird church thing? Or who is God like? And why do you, why do you call yourself a Christian in this age when that's really not particularly socially normal or acceptable even? And it's because if I can demonstrate something to them of who God is, that makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? So that's why Jesus does it, to demonstrate who God is. So let's have a look at our two phrases then. If that's what we want to do, we want to demonstrate who God is, these two things that Jesus promises that we can struggle with. Verse 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, there's, there's a you isn't there? And then there's a you, which doesn't always work in English. We don't, lots of languages have two different yous. Very quickly, Jesus goes from whoever believes in me will do the works I'm doing. So that doesn't, it means that none of us can discount ourselves. None of us can be like, well, this is someone else's job. Like, I'll just do the bus and the school run and work and, and I won't show people Jesus. That's someone else's job. We're all invited to do it. But the greater things than these is a they. So, I think I don't think there's one Christian who's been alive who could say that they have done all of the things. Like, I, I can't think of one person who's raised the dead and healed the sick and walked on water and fed thousands of people at once. Um, and actually, we don't need to find one because the greater things in Jesus isn't about one of us being a really special person just like Jesus. The greater things is that there are two and a half billion people or so around the world who believe in Jesus. And tomorrow, he will send them all out on Monday into whatever it is he's got for them. And if all of them did something for him before lunchtime, we would already have done more things than Jesus did while he was on earth. That's quite an exciting thought, isn't it? Like the greater things doesn't take a lot from each of us. It just takes all of us doing a little bit. 
It's like a collective commission. It's not on me. I don't have to be Jesus. We all get to be Jesus together. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, I've used this word commission a few times. Does everyone know what I mean by that? So um, we've got a picture there. There we go. So that's, uh, that lady's been commissioned in the army. In an army, a commission is where you're given a specific position of leadership. And it comes with, um, well, it comes with a few things. It comes with an identity. Like there's a uniform. There's a part of a collective and a very specific role within it. There's a delegated authority. Whoever leads the army, if that's in our country, that's the queen. Apparently, I can't imagine her on the battlefield, but that's how it goes. That's fine. Um, it might be different in other countries. There's a delegated authority from that person to go and do what they want. Okay, you have the power in that, in that commission, in that moment, in that uniform, in that role, you have a commission to go and do what they want. And you've got the power and the responsibility to go and do that. You? An artist is a bit the same, actually. You can commission an artist, can't you? You can ask them, okay, I'm going to pay you this money, and within this time, I want you to do this thing. Same thing, there's power, responsibility, identity, and this delegated authority to go and do what someone's asked you to do. So that's what we mean by commission. That's what we mean by being told to go out and do what Jesus did, is that we've got this commission from God. Now, this, the reason this is important is because when we come back to our next phrase, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Sorry, that's the next slide, verses 13 and 14. Has anyone, or maybe we shouldn't do a show of hands, but I wonder if all of us here have asked for something in the name of Jesus and not seen it happen. That would be my guess, that we all have. Yep, one hand at the back. I certainly have. So what this isn't, it's not a magic word, okay? We are not in the world of Harry Potter. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. It's not that. It's not like, say this a proper way at the proper time and it will just work for you because it's magic, okay? It's this sense of commissioning, we're like an officer in the army or an artist. We've been given a specific role and a specific thing to do. And actually, doing the works of Jesus in his name is doing them for the same reasons he did, to tell people about God, to um, tell people who God is, and to tell them what the kingdom is going to be like, not to have a good story for you or anything else. Any other reason that someone might do that for money or anything, it's not about that. It's about us telling people who God is. And it also means doing it in line with what he wants, and on his orders, just the same as any other commission. So I've got two words that I think might help us as we kind of think, well, what sort of stuff would that look like? And how do I take a next step? Because we could just go out now, we could be like, right, okay, Jesus told me that today, before lunchtime on Monday, I need to raise one dead person, and then we've sorted it. Like, that's, that's, not, <laughs> that's not where we're going to end, luckily. That's good, isn't it? I think there's two things that we need to be able for each of us to take the next step in what Jesus is asking us to do with the friends and the colleagues and the people in our life that he's called us to, okay? And those two things are compassion and communion. There they are. I think that more than power, more than truthfulness, um, compassion is a cons the consistent, the most consistent marker of how Jesus talks to people and how he meets with people in the New Testament. Compassion means to feel with. So to come alongside somebody who's feeling something and to feel it with them, whether that's pain or struggle or fear or whatever it is. And actually, the more struggling or hurting or fearful someone is, the more compassion Jesus shows to them, the more he looks after them, doesn't he? 
Compassion is often the catalyst for God's kindness in response. So I was going to get, Fiona's not here today, she's not feeling great. Um, but last week, Fiona and I were talking, she was going to lead worship. And suddenly she went all stiff and said, oh, I can't, I can't move my neck, it's so painful. And she'd had this thing on and off with her tendon in her neck, all the way from her jaw to her arm, if you've ever had any problems with that tendon. And she was about to lead worship, which I feel, I don't lead worship, I think you might need your neck quite a bit um, to move around for that. And so I just had this rush of compassion, like really strong, to that, that that's horrible to then ask her to go and be on team and do that. And also, I had a bit of a, I don't know if you get this, it might depend on how God works in you, a little bit of a poke from the Holy Spirit. Because I was prayed for about seven or eight years ago for a very similar thing, and God healed me in a way that I haven't, like, I haven't been healed very much while people have put their hands on me, but someone did, and it did, and it heal and got completely better and has never come back so I was like okay <laughs> I've got this sense of kindness or just frustration that you're going to go have to lead worship and you can't move your head um but also this sense of I've seen this happen before and this sense of God giving you a gift that isn't for you but it's for other people and I was like actually well if God's done that for me why wouldn't he do it for someone else and why would he want me to keep that to myself so I said shall we pray now I I realize that I'm talking from the front and, and you know where the story's going to go and it's going to be exciting. Um, but it's not, it's not about me, so we'll unpack that in just a second. What I thought was, okay, let's try. And so I told Fiona the story. We put a hand on her neck and told the tender... I think I said something stupid, like, sort yourself out. I don't even think I prayed a very good prayer. <laughs> not Fiona, the pain. Um, I told it to go. And literally, I have, li I have literally never seen this before. She went like that, which I was like, ooh, careful of your neck. Um, but <laughs> she did anyway. Um, and I felt this weird little pulse go through, go through her body under my hand. And then she said, it, it's absolutely fine. And she's been fine. And I messaged her to make sure I could chat about it today. And she said, it's completely gone. Okay, exciting. Just here by the table. Yeah, okay. Don't, don't, thank you, Jackie. But <laughs> I did not heal someone. Like, that's also not the story. I didn't heal someone. Jesus commissioned me and all of us to demonstrate that he lives in us and that he's good and that one day we're going to live in a world where there's no pain in any necks. Now, I've had some back pain this week. Jeff has had some really bad back pain this week. It's not everybody all the time, but it's just these little tasters, these little moments where we get to say, oh, God, you are real. Like, we had a, Fiona and I had a little bounce around in the kitchen after school. We were like, this doesn't happen, and now it's happened, and it's really exciting. We get to take these gifts God, give, God has given us and go, okay, I'm going to give that away. I'm going to give that in little pieces or, or as much as I can give to the people around me in order to help them see who God is and what, and what he's doing. Now, just, we're gonna, we are going to give a chance later on, just in a few minutes after we've finished this and had some worship, we're going to give an opportunity to just pray for each other, either for um, if you'd like to see God move, especially in a situation you'd like us to pray for that here, we can do that, or if you'd love some healing or some prayer or, or a prophetic kind of breakthrough now, we're going to pray for that in a bit. But I'd just love to say the kind of compassion that God wants to bring is it's, it's compassionate all the way through the encounter, okay? And I think this is often where some of us have a problem with some of this prayer for healing or praying in the prophetic or, you know, like hearing from God for somebody, that sort of thing. And some people have a problem with this for really good reasons, which is that they've found it very difficult. 
and they found it very difficult because someone hasn't been kind and compassionate in the moment of praying for somebody. Like people actually don't mind if we if it doesn't work. Like no one's expecting that we can heal anyone, so no one minds if it doesn't work. What they mind is if we're not kind and we're not compassionate. So compassionate when we pray for people means that we listen to them and we don't rush in with our own agenda. Okay, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus sees a blind man on the road and he asks, What would you like me to do? And you think, like, it's obvious, he can't see. But it isn't. Jesus gives him the dignity of choice and the right to disagree, and we really need to be careful of that too. I think a lot of my long-term sick friends or friends who've lived with disabilities or living with different things, they get quite turned off, not from faith or from God so much, but from church, because it's not that God doesn't heal, like, not because God doesn't heal them, God's walking that through with them and looking after them. But because Christians will sometimes, well-meaning, loving people, will kind of decide, I must pray for you, and not ask and not give them, them space to say no or just to listen to them or, or they don't necessarily feel loved in that situation, as you probably wouldn't. So if you are going to pray with somebody, thank you, don't assume someone wants prayer and just start. Okay, ask them. You wouldn't do that with anything else with them. Do listen compassionately to their story. Often that, that might be where the Holy Spirit starts to move, actually, where you start hearing what they've got to say. And then do ask if they'd like prayer and what they'd like prayer for. Okay. Um, my friend Dave, a few weeks ago, stopped me in my tracks slightly because he said, um, most people pray for other people because they want a good story down the pub. And that's not what Jesus wants. And I was like, oh, yeah, Dave, you're right. I'm going to use that in a sermon. <laughs> he's not here so it's fine um, God doesn't want us to have great stories about ourselves he really isn't bothered like what he wants is for us to hear some of his heart and then give that away to other people he wants them to know him and come closer to him he's not, he's not too fussed about us we demo the blender okay it's not our blender Jesus is incredibly compassionate and he wants to reveal himself to everyone. He's also surprising. If there's another thing that marks out Jesus in the Bible, he is surprising, isn't he? He doesn't always do what we'd expect. A couple of years ago, I think it was, Jeff prayed for someone um, who had a bad back. Um, and then it was one of these moments where he met somebody and then he didn't see them for months and months. And then he caught up with him when he did see him again. Now the man's back had nothing changed in the moment Nothing had changed in between. The man's back was still bad. But the man said, you know, from the moment you prayed for me, my depression is completely lifted. Didn't pray for that. Didn't tell him he was depressed. He said, I've been able to get a job and keep it, which he hadn't been able to do in a really long time. And that had meant that financially their family was loads better off. They'd managed to move into a new house. Like they had, they were everything, everything had changed for him and for his wife and for his children because of... God doing what God wanted to do, not what Jeff wanted to do, not what we prayed for. Jeff's plan was back healed, tick or no tick. How did that go? God's plan was, I see this man and this woman and these kids and this home and this community and I care about that. And that's what the kingdom will look like when all of that stuff is sorted. So I'm going to sort this one out and I'll show you who I am in that moment. We see a little bit of the future. Okay. So asking in the name of Jesus means asking in line with what he wants to do and in line with his compassionate character. And actually the other thing that we need is this sense of what I've called communion, okay? Which isn't just the little like the little funny plastic pot of grape juice that we get. Let's have a read again. Verse is um, 10 and 13. Jesus says, The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. 
Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. So do you get, like, we're the same as Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, I do it because I am Jesus and it's just all coming from me. He says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. So God, I know is this odd Christian thing that we have the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. And they're not three people, but they're not just one either. They're relational. There's some way that they interact with each other, which is incredible and very difficult to explain. And I won't try and explain it all the way through now. Maybe talk to Phil or someone later who knows a bit more. Sorry. <laughs> Come and talk to someone afterwards if you have questions. Um, But there's this wonderful thing that they're a relationship and they're living in each other and Jesus is speaking on the authority of his dad, of God. And then he says, go and do, now the authority's mine, so you go do the same. And so when I pray for someone, I am praying for somebody because Jesus is in me and I'm in Jesus and it's him who wants to reach out to that person. And he says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. Okay. So by communion, what I mean is being in touch with God all the time Like, it's not like we go into Jesus and then sometimes out of Jesus. And sometimes I'm a Christian, sometimes I'm not, even though it can feel a bit like that, depending on how we're doing. Just like Joe and Cap talked about a couple of weeks ago, our identity is in Jesus all the time. Like that commission, it's like I've got a uniform on that you can't see. I've got this piece of paper that says you are part of my um, army. You're, you're my artist. You're going to go out and do these things. I'm commissioning you to do that. But hearing from him in the moment is really key. Like, I guess if you had radio updates from your commanding officer and so you knew what you needed to do, you'd need to be able to hear them, wouldn't you? So hearing from, from God kind of regularly is key to knowing what it is he wants to do. So I'll tell you another story and then we're going to chat a little bit about what that looks like. About a month ago, um, I was on the bus um, Now, I'm, tech, I'm usually not an amazing person on the bus. I have my headphones in, I have my book out, like I do, I do like the don't talk to me, I'm a 21st century human being thing. Um, but I've been challenged about that recently. So, so I was like, okay, I'm going to leave a spare seat. And when this woman sat down next to me, I just felt like, okay, I'm, I'm going to not put my music on. I'm going to kind of be clear that I'm not that interested in the book I'm reading. And I'll start talking. And, and we got talking and she started to open up about her past, like, quite deeply in a way that I was quite surprised about. Um, she said she was a refugee from Eastern Europe 30 years ago and she was talking about what's happening now in Ukraine and how she's doing and, and all that. And she started crying behind her mask. This doesn't happen to me on the bus very much. It's not, <laughs> it's not a very British thing to do, is it? But I kept saying to God in my head, okay, God, it's almost like, I was like, okay, let's, let's imagine I've got, a, I know I'm slightly odd, okay? Sometimes it helps me to imagine I've got a little satellite dish I'm just going to admit this to you all now. <laughs> Then it goes, whoop. So I'm listening to this person in front of me and I'm like, okay, God, what is it? What do you want to say? How do I introduce you? Because that's obviously what I'm here for. Obviously, at some point, I need to talk about you. I need to introduce you. I need to say, I'm a Christian. God loves you. I need to do that. How do I get her talking about faith? And I just kept having the same sense of, like, don't. Don't do that. Don't, don't shoehorn me in. Don't decide you have to talk about God. Just listen. Listen to her. What I want to do is just, this is about listening to her story. And so we, I just listened. I really didn't, I maybe asked a couple of questions, but I listened all the way from the city centre to Selyuk on a rainy, rainy rush hour, so about four hours or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> I just listened and I got off the bus and, and I prayed for all the way home, but I didn't mention anything about Jesus or God or prayer or anything. Um, we say goodbye. She knows my name. I know her name. She knows where I get off the bus. That's about it. But I 
I guess, I, so I have no idea how that story finishes, but I think, I think God probably does. I think God probably has a story he wants to write with that woman, that he is going to heal her and he is going to help her and he is going to show who he is to her. But that's not about me. That's just about her. And we just, often I think, we can think we need to close the deal with people. Like we need to sell the blender if we're going to go back to our slightly odd thing. But that's not. The greater things together is over time. Like God is really slow sometimes, isn't he? Does anyone get frustrated by how slow God is sometimes? He is because he's gentle. Like gentle people are slow. Lifetime is slow. And sometimes I wish God would hurry up. But I'm also really grateful because my life is full of Christians who are happy just to have one conversation or to have loads of conversations over a decade before I really got the idea of what they were talking about. So I think communion with God means being joined to him and being available and also being okay with the fact that we might just be a little step with somebody in someone's life. Okay? So... What does that look like? What does this communion thing look like? And what is it God's calling us to? Last couple of minutes. Well, for me, okay, there's, it means being available. More than anything else, it means being available. And actually, this isn't, this isn't usual in our culture. It means sitting downstairs with an empty seat and actively offering it to people and not putting your headphones in. Okay, so I've got three, three things that might help us as we try and have communion with God and see what he wants to do in our conversations this week. One is to take your headphones out, metaphorically or physically. Like, if you, if you go around the supermarket now, it's odd. It's like a silent disco because everyone's got music on or everyone's in their own space. And that's, like, that's fine. I, I, that's not wrong at all. Like, don't, don't, hit, don't hear me like, oh, I actually just need some time in my head today. That, that is completely fine. But I think sometimes that's us not, we, can, we can be invited into making space in our lives for God to speak to other people. That might not happen if we're closed off. So it might be that you're fine with headphones. That's not the thing. It's almost like God wants to be the tune in our head all day. And it's definitely like God might have people that he wants us um, to chat to that we might not otherwise notice if we're quite wrapped up in ourselves. And I know that could be really uncomfortable, but I think that's what he wants us to do. Whether that's leaving a free seat, smiling at a stranger, striking up a conversation when we're walking on the road, in the bus, at work, in the park, in the playground, in the shop. Like there are people all over the place in our lives all the time. And it's quite easy to get distracted, isn't it, by busyness or by what's going on in our minds. And actually, we can become quite isolated from other people around us. The other thing we can do is we can do the same thing when we're with our friends. Is that we can do surface conversations but not go deeper with them can't we? We can avoid those difficult conversations. We can be okay with our neighbours but not go into the deeper spaces and give them space to talk about that. And actually, I think that would be a loss. I think Joe and Cap had this lovely phrase the first week we talked about this, about being little priests, about being that we're, like if you're here and you know Jesus, then you're connected to God in a way that a lot of your neighbours and friends won't be. And what you get to do isn't to like try and hammer all of God onto your neighbour all at once. But what you get to do is just little steps of going like, can I listen and maybe can I pray or can I help? Or like we're, you know, there's, there's, just, there's just all these moments that we can do if we're open to it. I think we have this call to have a, we're commissioned to stay in communion and relationship with God in those places. And actually just drip by drip, moment by moment, as Jesus wants us to, which is the thing of doing it in his name, like as he wants to, interacting with that person and bringing them closer to him.
The other thing we can do to make sure that we can hear him well is just spend time with him. And I know this is the application of every talk at church. And I know we go home with like, I need to spend more time with God. And I know that, oh, like I... I tried to write down for you, just to be honest about how much time I spend with God in a week. Um, I have about 10 minutes between being able to function mentally and a child coming into my room. So that is the only time of my day that I properly, properly spend with God is about 10 minutes in the morning. Sometimes a little longer on a Saturday when I'm making pancakes. Um, I know. Anyway, you didn't need to know that. (laughs) But just like Jesus is really gentle, isn't he? Like there's so many people in the Bible, he meets them on the road and he meets them in the kitchen. He isn't fussed. He doesn't, you don't have, like if you can, do it. But you don't have to take two hours every day in the Licky Hills walking and praying. You don't have to have a little home chapel. If you do, please do. Wonderful. Please pray for me while you're there. Um, I'm making pancakes. But if you, to be, like whatever time you can give him, be available. And he's really, really faithful to come and speak to you and be with you in those moments. And then in every conversation, put your little satellite dish up. Whoop. Okay, if that's too odd a thing, just, just, be, just be open. What, how can I pray for this person? Even if you're just praying in your head for them. What should I say? What question can I ask? What kind of help can I offer that would actually touch them and would actually let them see who God is? More than anything, I think we're called to be honest and be kind and be listening to God and then do what he asks because he will ask us, if we're in communion with him and he loves this person in front of us, he is going to ask us to do things. You might not notice that's what he's doing. You might just do that instinctively. You might have this sense, you want to pray, you want to say something, you want to help this person in a specific way. But I think that's what he's calling us to be, is he wants us on a Monday morning and through the week to go and be doing greater things than him, because he's already doing them. And he's already in that space with our neighbours and our friends. So I think that's what we're called to do. And I think he's got some steps for each of us to grow in that in our own way and with our own people. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.